Greetings and welcome to In Tune with VHBC, a podcast about music and worship at Vestavia Hills Baptist Church. I'm Marty Watts, Minister of Music at VHBC. In this episode, I'll talk to Jan Doolin and share about the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. If you haven't already done so, be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss any future episodes. Now let's get in tune. As an 8th century poem, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is certainly one of the oldest hymns we sing. The tune is named Veni Emmanuel, which is Latin for Come Emmanuel and was based on a 15th-century French Requiem Mass chant. It was adapted in the mid-19th century by Thomas Helmore, who was an Anglican priest and musician who helped to revive chant in Anglican churches. The text is a seven-stanza poem based on the O Antiphons. An antiphon is a short refrain used in worship, and the O Antiphons each have a name for the Messiah from Hebrew Scripture. While our hymnal only has four of the stanzas, there is an interesting tradition for the full seven-stanza version. On the seven days leading up to Christmas Eve, one antiphon would be sung, reminding worshipers that Jesus' birth was fulfillment of Messianic prophecy. Also noteworthy is that in its original Seven stanza Latin version, a reverse acrostic is formed, which reads in Latin, Ero cross, or I will be there tomorrow. So, worshippers having sung one stanza each day leading up to Christmas Eve will then on December 23rd complete the acrostic, which says, I will be there tomorrow. If you're listening to this podcast episode on its release day, Maybe you'll consider finding the original seven stanzas and starting today, December 17th, read and pray through one stanza each day leading up to Christmas Eve. Today's episode concludes with the singing of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel by the congregation of Vestavia Hills Baptist Church with Dr. Beth McGinnis at the piano. If you have a hymn to suggest for a future episode of the podcast, contact me at marty at vhbc.com. Week after week, I am grateful for the opportunity to talk with folks uh, in our music ministry at VHBC and then to be able to share those conversations with uh, listeners on the podcast. So today I'm honored to welcome Jan Doolin. Jan, glad to have you today. Thank you, Marty. Um, the, I, I uh, have heard from some retired educators who have said they've expressed their immense gratitude for educators in the year 2020, but they've also said that they are glad to not currently be in the field of education in the year 2020. Is that something that you would agree with? <laughs> yes, very much so. I, I am still in contact with a lot of the folks that I taught with, and it is certainly 
a stressful time for for everyone, whether you're in leadership or whether you're in the classroom, just knowing that not only do you have your usual uh, responsibilities, but these additional ones and also worrying about your own health mm-hmm. and the health of your family. What are you bringing home to them and worrying about your children? Most most places now, I think, are digital and in person. So that is added responsibility as well. Um, they this is a certainly a troubling time. Um, and but. I think it has often, as most things do, brought out the worst and the best in, in folks. And I think it has certainly uh, brought out a new attention and appreciation for people in education. Um, when I was teaching and we would go on field trips and parents would go with us, often after the field trip was over, they would say, I don't care how much money you make. It's not enough. <laughs> Just being in that situation. And I think perhaps this is the same way when you see what a responsibility is to teach even your own child, much less to teach um, classrooms full of children. And uh, with this additional stress, I think new appreciation for teachers as well as healthcare workers um, has been a good thing to come out of this. But I certainly do not envy them. My partner, um, my principal, I was assistant principal at Edgewood, and we were talking the other day, and we said we would probably be living at the embassy suites, not wanting to take home anything to our families, but yet being there day and night trying to, you know, deal with all the issues at hand. So I'm I'm in awe and appreciation, as I often am, Mm -hmm. of everybody in education these days. Well, um, so tell us, tell us your, your career in education. Okay. Um, I began uh, at the University of Montevallo. I had a bachelor's in social work and um, psychology. And when I graduated, um, I went to uh, St. Vincent's Hospital and started working as a medical social worker there. At the time that my kids were in elementary school, we didn't have a music teacher, nor did we have a uh, art teacher. And so I started teaching as a PTO volunteer in their classrooms as a music and art teacher. And my son's fourth grade teacher said to me, have you ever thought about teaching? And I went, no, I'd never even no." And she goes, you ought to think about it. So I began a little bit to consider that and um, went back to UAB, got a master's in education, and then started teaching at Shades Cahaba in Homewood, uh, the school that is infamous, infamously famous for being across from the Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> uh, and um, taught there for 19 years and then went to Edgewood as the assistant principal um, for uh, until I retired in July of 15. I went to Sanford, got a leadership degree. So I think I've been to just about every college <laughs> around uh, for various reasons. But it it's interesting that something I never thought I ever wanted to do would actually be the place that every day when I got there, I knew that was where not only I wanted to be, but that was what I was meant to do. And I I, I don't miss the, the fears of educators these days uh, that we have to worry about violence in our schools, which I worried about every night. 
please, I remember praying every day, please don't let anything happen to my children today, you know, as I would go to school. So that I don't miss, but I certainly miss teaching. I miss the children and I miss the wonderful folks that um, I was surrounded by. Mm -hmm. That's great. Well, um, you were recently ordained as a deacon uh, at our church. And um, so uh, in addition to that and singing the choir, tell us, tell us what you're involved with at church. Well, let's see. Um, I'm a member of the Joyful Knowers Sunday School class, and uh, I serve along with four other folks as rotating teachers um, in that class. There's so many great folks in there, and uh, I was a little hesitant at first to teach the LaRue and Vicki and Press and um, Milburn, you know, that that's holy ground. So uh, I was a little reluctant. I've just recently started teaching in that rotation uh, to do that, but um, it's been a blessing for me. Uh, not sure about them, but it's been a blessing for me. Uh, I also uh, am in worship. I serve in worship care and uh, assist in Bible school. I don't teach in Bible school, but assist there with Miss Nancy. Oh, Hardy House. I serve on the Hardy House committee there. And um, also, I've been to see camp as well. Didn't get to go this year because of the circumstances, but right. um, that that was a great blessing to go there as well. Tell us, if you would, a little bit about um, how music has been a part of your life, uh, either uh, you know maybe starting as a child and then into adulthood. What has that? How has that path uh, happened for I think, you? Um, you know, I've always loved music of all kinds, really. Um, I took six years of piano growing up and everyone, I think even my parents were relieved when I gave it up. <laughs> <laughs> this, this continues to be a relief even now. Uh, Mike's studio, which is where I am right now, is upstairs in our home and a squirrel would insistently and destructively <laughs> chew on the windowsill outside the piano room and was just creating all kinds of damage out there. And the interesting thing was he only did it when Mike was practicing. So Mike had the great idea that I should noodle around on the piano and that he would go outside with the BB gun because we had tried squirrel traps with, with no success. And he would go outside with the BB gun and put an end to all this. So uh, when we switched piano players, um, the squirrel left immediately. I don't know whether that was he, because he was such a discerning squirrel or um, because he was a musical connoisseur. I'm not sure. This is a true story. Um, but with the moral of that being uh, know your gifts and know the ones that aren't your gifts. So uh, with that being said, the nice thing about piano lessons is that it did teach me um, to read music, and it certainly contributed to a long love of uh, choral music. I, I guess I've been singing in choirs and ensembles since I was in middle school. Um, just had such great opportunities to learn from so many, so many folks. Um, when I was in high school in the Birmingham area, there was a Title III honors music program that you auditioned for. And during the summers, they brought in choral direct directors from 
all over the country and to work with us. So uh, Greg Smith, who was a choral director uh, from New York, was one of them that I remember vividly. And so I had I had the experience of learning for, from so many consummate professionals. And I was so grateful, you know, for all those opportunities. I think, though, truthfully, that more than anything, singing in church choir since I was 16, I just had so many fine folks uh, with, with such knowledge, uh, present company included, that really, really taught me about choral singing and taught me that the inspiration and the complexity that choral music adds to worship, there's just really nothing like it. Um, and so I'm so grateful for that and, um, and always have been. And uh, I think it's still, whether, whether I'm a listener or I'm participating in church choir, it is, is still the thing that moves me um, in worship, for sure. That is, uh, I love hearing that, have loved hearing that from different people each week. Mm -hmm. And um, your story, uh, that's inspiring to hear how that uh, has played, choral music has played a part uh, in your life. I want to talk about your family a little bit. You mentioned uh, your husband, Mike. Um, Mm -hmm. Let's uh, tell us a little bit about your family. Um, Mike is doing, we're all doing well. Um, Mike is um, uh, really uh, doing well getting over the surgery. Um, He is now on two legs, which is a great relief to him and to me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but he's been a great patient and is, is doing well. Um, Uh, For folks who don't know, Mike had a fall here at the church uh, uh, at uh, one of our outdoor services and uh, subsequently had to have surgery. So um, that's right. Glad he's (laughs) glad he's doing well. Thank you. Uh, I think we, but we both are. <laughs> yes, yes. He, he actually uh, drove today, which um, I think made him feel like a bird out of a cage for sure. After <laughs> I think it's seven weeks now. Oh, wow. But anyway, uh, my son, Adam, um, is here in Birmingham um, and uh, bought a house during the pandemic, which was one good thing, I guess, that happened at Townhouse. My daughter, Anna, lives in, and her husband, Chris, live in Seattle. Um, we haven't seen her in a year uh, because she usually comes home twice a year, of course, in uh, May and December. And then I go out there. So, um, you know, that was called to a halt. We did miss her wedding. Uh, Mm. This year in uh, September, I always say I waited 38 years for her to get married and naturally there'd be a worldwide pandemic. Oh gosh! (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I'm just so grateful that we're all healthy. You know, there's, there've been so many tragic stories and circumstances with folks uh, that have experienced um, just unspeakable um, stress during this time. So, you know, it's hard to complain about anything if, if you and your family are well and happy. <laughs> yes. Well, I know you, uh, we, we've all missed having opportunities to, to connect with family in person, but, um, 
have, have found ways to stay connected through technology and, and that That's sort right. of thing. So, um, but anyway, I, I know that uh, you were sad to miss, miss the wedding. I was, I was. <laughs> Hopefully in August, we're supposed to go out this year. We're supposed to go out. They just put things, they went on and got married, but they put things off for a year. And we're going to have a celebration out there in August if the vaccine is yes. here in time yes. and we feel comfortable. So yeah. Yeah. all that's kind of iffy, but again, I'm, I'm very grateful. For sure. For sure. Well, I have one uh, final question for us uh, today. And um, I've uh, asked everyone the same thing as we've concluded these conversations. And uh, it comes from uh, a Bible verse, John 10, 10, the second half of that verse, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Jan, what's bringing you life these days? Well, as an introvert posing as an extrovert, (laughs) (laughs) these days of um, separation and solitude have, have really not been as bad for me, probably as they might be for some people, I suppose. Um, but I guess they've given me time to stop and and think and pray and learn and just be quiet. Um, I have a tendency to fill my days with busyness. And um, I have learned through this time that in accomplishing a lot of unimportant things, though I confess that I still obsessively make lists, um, I have often neglected the larger, more important things. Um, a friend of mine posted on Facebook a story about, I think it was yesterday or day before, about a black lab that she passes each day when on her run. And she said she started long ago when she was running. He has an underground fence, so he can't you know, come out and play, but she would start and stop there and talk to him and then just kind of run back and forth with him in front of his house. So this has been going on for, for some time. And she noted that a couple of days ago, um, that how he would watch for her and see her coming way, way down the road and start running expectantly back and forth with joy, you know, waiting for her to come. And she said, you know, that particular day, I I didn't have time. And she said, and often I don't have time to stop and play on my way. So I just speak to him and pass on by. And, um, but regardless, he was always there waiting and watching for her and, and hoping that she'd take time to be present, I guess, with him. But her observation was that she wondered if she sometimes treated God like that, you know, just passing by and communicating with him when she had time and, and opportunity. So I think what has brought me joy and what I have learned from this time that I pray that I carry forward that just passing by isn't very satisfying to God or to me. And that I want to learn to be present every day, to make, to make certain that as he waits for me, I wait for him. And I, I don't think, I'm not sure I could have learned that lesson any other way than I have during this time. So that has been a blessing to me. 
Mm-hmm. I, that, I love that. The, the story about the Black Lab and how you've um, sort of reflected on that in your own life. I, that is, that's lovely. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, this has been such a, a treat for me to get to chat with you today. I appreciate you so much taking time out to do this. And I know that uh, folks who are listening uh, on the podcast will certainly appreciate getting to hear from you. Thank you. Thank you, Marty. And I'm appreciative of everything all of you are doing for worship every Sunday. Um, that continues to be a joy for for me and for all of us. And I know it is no small task. I know it takes hours and hours and hours of planning. And but it is, you know, I'm, I'm a firm believer that the church is not a building. It, it is the people of God that move forward in, in all times. And, and I'm appreciative of that inspiration that you all have worked hard to provide for all of us. Well, thank you. It's, it's an honor to, to serve our church family. Thank you. Sir. Take care. Thank you, Marty. Subscribing to this podcast makes it easier to find future episodes. This episode concludes with the singing of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel 